never told us something that, that didn't in turn happen. So when Jesus said, I've come to give you life, he meant it. He meant it. And yet we see so many believers in Christ. We see so many evangelicals. They, they walk around defeated. They walk around and you, you ask them how they are and, and they're just defeated. They're not living in the power of the cross. They're not living in the joy. And listen, I know, like, I know what this world is. Like, I, I get the same news that you get. My phone rings just like it, it does for you. And I know there's bad things that happen. And I know our culture. I know it's very easy to get negative. But what Christ did for us on the cross enables us to live in such a way that it doesn't matter what comes at us. And no, we may not always have the answer. And I'm not asking you to walk around with some type of facade where, where you say, I'm okay, even though you're not, because that's not biblical either. But what I am saying is that as a bought, blood-bought servant of the Lord, I don't walk around defeated because I know who holds tomorrow. I walk around with power because 1 Corinthians tells us that the message of the cross, for those who don't believe, it's folly. It means foolishness. That's a a Bible word for you there you can take home. But it says, for those who are being saved, I love that the Apostle Paul wrote the word being. It's an areas verb. It, it means it's going to continue forever. For those of us being saved, it's power. So you and I get to live in power, not of our own accord, but because what Christ has done for us, in us, through us, all that Christ did has now enabled you and me to live with abandonment to the world. We get to live free from all of the chains and, and the bondage of Satan, and we get to celebrate what Christ has done. So we started this series by looking at exactly what Jesus did for us on the cross, what happens when we surrender our lives to the Lord, and we looked at the, the saving agent in salvation being Jesus, that we are saved by grace. It's a gift of God that you and I get to hear the gospel, and our hearts get to be transformed by Jesus. And then not only are, is that a gift of grace, but it's secured through our faith. We get, we're saved by faith in the Lord Jesus. And so our hearts, we, we surrender it all. And, and faith is a little deeper than believing. Like, I believe this stage is going to hold me because I've been up on this stage now several times, several hundred times. Like, I know, I know we got some good construction here. Um, there's times as a big boy, there's times as a big boy, and if you, if you, if you got some weight on you, you, you're going you're to empathize with me. There's times when I walk up to a chair, and especially, uh, my, my grandmother's here, and she is precious, and I love her with all of my heart. All of her furniture is a million years old. Every bit of it's old, old, old. She's got chairs when I go to her house. I kind of, you know, I give them a little weight test. And it's because I don't have faith that, that 280 is going to hold up in that chair. Are you tracking? Like, I, I'm not there. Like, I, I, I kind of test, I, I sit gingerly. Like, I don't just flop in it like I do at the recliner at the house. And the reason for that is I don't have faith in it. I don't, I don't think it's going to hold. I'm going to need to see some evidence before I believe it. And yet, when Christ calls us 
to faith. It's, it's beyond believing. It's, it's beyond the idea that I think this is true, but it is the, the reality that we know what Christ did for us is true. We know what Jesus did for us on the cross, and, and we live in the fullness and in the glory of the resurrected King, and we live with the intensity and the intentionality that one day we're going to live with Him forever. So it changes everything about us. And we get to live free. My friends, you and I were made for so much more than just getting by. The world needs to see you living in the power of the gospel. So if you have your Bible with you today, if you brought it, uh, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, and he, he's going to start talking about some gifts that God has given them. Do you know, if you have been redeemed by Jesus, you have a gift set, you have a, a golf bag full of clubs that nobody else has. God has equipped you like none other. It, it's a good thing that God didn't equip everybody like me. God will equip you to do ministry that he has for you. So if you found your place in the Bible, let's read together, starting in verse 12 of what the Apostle Paul wrote. He says, For just as one body, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body through many are one body, so that it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves and free we are all made to drink of one spirit for the body does not consist of one members but of many if the foot should say because i am not the hand i do not belong to the body that would not make it any less part of the body and if the ear should say because i'm not an eye i do not belong to the body that would not make it any less part of the body if the whole body were an eye where would the sense of hearing if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged all the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary... The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greatest honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with great modesty, which are our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving great honor to the part that has lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Father, we, we pray over your word that you would use it today to touch hearts, lives, and minds and that that we would be um, like you called the, the church in Rome, that our, our minds should be transformed into the likeness of Jesus today. God, place your word in our heart, in our minds, in our souls, that we may grow in the saving grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask it in the name of Christ. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. As we think about being made for more, and as we, we think about today, you're needed. 
You're needed today. Your church needs you today. Not just because we want to check an attendance box or not because we, we hope you give money to us or, or not because we don't like an empty room. Um, you're needed today because God has equipped you for a specific purpose. The church needs your gifts and your talents. Do you know there's no one else like you? You know there's no one else like you. God has, has, has given you a, such a, a DNA God has given you such a purpose. God has made your body so unique. God has given you such a, a design that, that, that there's no one else like you today. That, that you are an individual. There, you are so special that, that God has you designed for a purpose and a plan. And God is doing something special with you. Um, God is, he, he has prepared for you ministry to walk in. He's prepared for you an, uh, an area that you can serve and love. There's nobody like you. Now, some of you, your spouses are going, praise Jesus, right? Like I told Louie this morning, praise God, ain't nobody like that, brother. Like, there's only one Louie, and uh, we, could, we couldn't handle two, right? We love Louie, but we couldn't handle two of him. And, and we, we praise God that, that we're all so unique. And, and that's what makes me excited when I look at the church. We're an eclectic group of people that, that at any point could have just a blow-up because we all have different opinions, like some of you don't, don't like the color of the carpet. Some of you don't like the color of the walls. Some of you don't like that I don't wear a suit and tie. Some of you wouldn't like it if I did. Some of you don't like to praise me too loud. Some of you think it can be louder. So we, we just all come together. But what makes us unique is that when we come together, we're coming under the banner of Jesus. And when we arrive under the banner of Jesus, all those small things go away. We don't come desiring and, and demanding our wants and our wishes we come to celebrate what the lord has done we come to to sing praises and we come to serve your church needs you to serve the apostle paul is talking to the church in corinth and he, he's talking about their gifts and he, he he tells them that that the hand can't say to the foot be gone with you you get your toe fungus and get out of here. Like the hand doesn't have that control. The, the eyes can't say to the hand, you're not as valuable as I am. We all have specific purposes that, that God has gifted you to serve here. You may never get a mic strapped to your head and stand behind a pulpit to preach. That doesn't make you any less valuable. They may never hand you a microphone and say, hey, go crush that special. They may never give you drumsticks and say, go, go get it, right? You may never get to hit the space bar on the slideshow. That doesn't make you less valuable. God is calling you, and, and if we don't function together, we don't function at all. Can I say that again? If we don't function together, we don't function at all. I don't know how many of you have done the, the three-legged race, where you tie a leg with somebody together and, and you try to run as one unit. Man, if you're not in sync on that thing, it gets ugly. You eat dirt, right? The church needs you to run efficiently. So when you don't serve and when you're lacking in what you're doing, when, when, you don't, when you're not faithful with what God has, has given you, then we're not as efficient as we could be. We're not moving as smoothly as we could be. We're lacking and we're not efficient. Your church needs you to serve it. We, we need your gifts and talents. God has equipped you like no one else. Isn't that beautiful? That God thinks so much of you that he's equipped you. So you're wondering why you're wired the way you are. It, it's for a purpose. It's for a design. God's got something for you that he hasn't given to anyone else. 
God's given you a heart for a specific area. That, that's, God's given you a heart to, to serve and to use your talents in a specific area. That may never be on the platform. We, we've, got, we've got people who, man, I tell you what, they're, they're so gifted in, in organization and they're so gifted in, in getting things set up. Our host committee, man, they get out there and they can make that, that old basketball gym look like a million dollars and they make it good and it, it's pretty. And, and we've got folks behind the scenes who, who never wish to take spotlight at all and they serve well. We've got nursery workers and we've got children's church workers who who serve and they never ask for a thank you they just get after it because that's where their heart is and they just serve well and it's, it's a beautiful thing when you become a, a useful for God's kingdom when you're serving the Lord in your area that God's designed for you it's never work it's never worked. In fact, that's how I knew um, I was in youth ministry for such a long time and, and that's how I knew that my heart was shifting because ministry became more like work. Because I was having to work at it where before the, the nine years previous it had just come natural. It was it just a lot. We just loved it and we, we served. But it got to a point where my heart was pulled elsewhere. I could tell my heart wasn't, wasn't just for teenagers, although it is. And we got some incredible teenagers. And God has doing, oh, we're so fired up for what you're going to hear at the end of this service, my friend. Woo! You ain't even ready for it. God's given you a heart for a specific area, and if, if you're not serving there, then you're not being obedient. If you're not serving where God's calling you to serve, you're not being obedient. In fact, you're being disobedient. You're, you're being sinful in the eyes of the Lord. Your no to what God is calling you to do can be sinful. God has given you talents that he's not given me. God's given you talents that, that he hasn't given others. So, so when you come up and you say, Jeff, I, God's placed it on my heart to sing, and you can sing, because um, God calls us to make a joyful noise, and, and, and we need to do that as worshipers, but, but not everybody, you don't want to give me a mic and tell me to come up here and sing a solo, unless it's so low that you can't hear it, right? Like, that's just not going to end well for us. God's given you talents that, that he hasn't given others. For some of you, God's given you the ability to, to teach. You're a great teacher. You can engage and you can, you can serve well for others. He's called you to be a leader. You have that built into you that you can step out. You can lead people. You can, you can lead a charge. You can lead a ministry. You can be part of our, our leadership team here. And, and you serve well and you do well. And, and God's gifted you with that. And, and some of you, that he, he's gifted to be musicians and singers. Like you can grab that mic and people want to listen. Um, and you can grab an instrument and people want to listen. And that, that aids in our worship of the Lord. Some of you, man, you're just servants. You're behind the scenes and, and you love setting up for events. You don't mind stacking chairs. God's given you that ability to serve and do well and, and never try to get in the spotlight or take glory, but you're just serving, doing what God's placed on you. Some of you, God's given you a heart for the nursery or heart for children and you get in that place and you just serve well and you, you love children. You love that moment together. Some of you, the thought of me putting you in the nursery this morning makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up, right? Like if you tell me, Jeff, we need you in the nursery this morning. I'm probably going to, like, I love kids. One of them's mine. I'm not built for that. Like, if, if it comes to me serving in the nursery, we're in trouble. Like, we've gone through everybody else. Everybody else. I'm not built for that. God, God hasn't wired me that way. I can father my son. I do it daily. But I'm not built. I, when you get me around other kids, I get nervous. I don't know what to do with them. Like I'm just like holding them by their arms and they're just looking at me. It's not, it's not good for us. It's, 
It's not going to work. Some of you are greeters. You've got a great personality. And, and when folks walk in that door, you're just loving and you're, you're aiding and you're helping them get situated into a place. Because visiting a church for the first time is hard. We understand that. We, we want greeters to be there to help you find a seat, to point the bathrooms out, to, to show you where our stuff is. And, and, and if you're not serving where God's placed you, we're, we're not effective. But what, what if you showed up and the musicians weren't ready and the guitars weren't tuned and the lights weren't on and the air conditioner wasn't on and you walked in and the place just wasn't ready, you'd think, my goodness, these folks aren't ready for us. They're not ready to worship today. If we don't actively serve, things fall through the cracks. And I know that's exaggerated because our, our worship team is going to be tuned and the lights are, are going to be on and the air condition is going to be cranked and we've got baptism next week so, so that water will be warm. And we've got people who are doing things for that because that's where they're serving. But they're not alone in that. We can't let 10% of the church do 100% of the work. Because if that was your home and you were doing 100% of the work while the rest of your family was doing nothing, that would irritate you after just a second. It's no different here. If God's called you to be a member here, there's responsibilities that you need to be about. But also the church needs you because you have a story. Your church needs you because you have a story. If you've been bought by the blood of Jesus, if you've accepted him as your Savior, you have a unique story. And your story is unlike anyone else's. Your background and, and your DNA, your upbringing make you different. And so that gives you a different story. So your story is unique. And, and when you tell your story, you show the saving power of Jesus Christ. When you tell your story and you tell about what the Lord has done, it, it is a unique story that no one else has, but it's powerful. I meet people all the time, and when I begin to share life with them, and I begin to tell them about Jesus in the Bible and what the Bible says, one of the one one things that that I get often, more often than I ever have, is, but I don't believe the Bible to be true. I hear that all the time now. I, I just don't believe that the Bible that you're quoting to me now. I don't believe it to be true. So, so your argument here is not valid for me. And I tell them, I said, that's fine. If you don't believe the Bible, that's okay. What you can't deny is what God's done in my life. What you can't deny is my story. You have a unique story of God redeeming you. I don't care if your story was, man, I was in the womb at church, in my mama's belly. I was birthed my first Sunday. I was there. I was there every Sunday after. And when I was nine, I gave my life to Christ. I've never been a part. I've never done drugs. I've never been on this or that. That's a beautiful story of God's redemptive work in your life. And the fact that you had parents who invested in your spirituality, that's good. I love hearing. That's my favorite story. Like, and then you, you, other people have the story. I was on crack and God redeemed my life. That's a powerful story of God's redemptive work. And we don't judge those stories. They both have merit on their own. And people cannot, they cannot look at your life and they cannot depreciate the work of Jesus in your life. You have a story that's unique and it's powerful. That no one can look at and poke holes in it because it's your story. It's your story. Like, if I tell you my story that, that Jesus redeemed my life and I'm no longer the same person that I was, but I'm a new creation in Christ and I'm following after Jesus, though I'm not perfect, I worship a perfect Savior, you can't argue that with me. There's nothing you could say to me that would be argumentative to that. 
Your story is powerful and it's unique. And it may be the only gospel that people will hear up close. It may be the only gospel that people hear. That's why we stress so much, you need to know your story. And we've got some, just looking out, we've got some people who you've told me your stories. I, I know how you came to saving faith in, in the Lord Jesus. And it's an incredible, powerful story. Your, your friends and family need to hear your story. Your church also needs you because of your love. Your church needs you because of your love. And I know what you're thinking, that's a weird one. How'd you come up with that one? Your church needs you because of the way you love people. Do you know you know people that I'll never know? It was fun last week at Hilldale because every, almost everybody in there but me knew people. Like if I hadn't had family in the room, I'd been like... It's just our folks. I wouldn't have known them, but... When we get together and when I see you out in public, you're like, hey, that's such and such and such and such. And we're just in our arms, just shaking hands and, and getting to know people, meeting people. It was like a homecoming last week. You know people that I'll never know. And the way you love will be demonstrated by your care for Jesus. Love binds us together. We're such an eclectic group that the only way we make church work is because we love one another. The only way we make church work is because we love one another. Not out of our own obligation, but out of what Christ has done in us. I don't love you as your pastor because I'm just a loving person. I love you as your pastor because Christ did something in me that I couldn't explain. Christ did something in me that I wasn't ready for. Christ did something in me that I, I, don't, I wasn't even prepared for. And out of that love that Christ loves me, I now can love you. Love binds us together. Your church needs you to love Man, it's easy to get sideways with a church member. It's easy for somebody to say something, and they and we don't know each other that well. Uh, we, we're kind of surface friends. Some of us are a little closer than that, but like some of you don't know, I'm hyper sarcastic, and I run in a group that kind of fans that to flame. So I have to really be careful because um, they they like it when when anyway. And so I have to guard my. And if you didn't know that about me, and I just came up and I, I said something offhanded, you would think, what a jerk. And so I, I've tried to guard that, and I try to keep that reined in some, but, and, and so I, I, I don't want you to think, man, he says, I wasn't even ready for that. I, I'm not meaning it harmfully, or it just kind of comes out sometimes. We're all so very different that we can get crossed pretty easy. We can let our preferences and our desires get us sideways from our church. One thing I, I uh, can't stand to hear, it hurts my soul, is, is when people come to me and they tell me there's just really nothing for me there. You see, if we don't let love bind us together, then we'll let our personal preferences for what we desire be what drives us. And then when we start getting selfish in our worship, we're no longer worshiping God. We're no longer worshiping the Creator. We begin to worship ourselves because at the very heart of man is the desire to be God anyway. And so when we get selfish about things, and, and there's some things that, that we work on as a, a church staff that we strive for. We strive for excellence, and we don't always hit that. And we mess up. Nobody on this staff is perfect, um, starting with me. Like I, I admit I am imperfect. I just serve a perfect Lord, right? Love binds us through that. Love allows us that, that we can look past imperfections because we know we have them too. We're never designed to be a museum of saints here. We'll never admit to perfection. 
But what we are as a church is a hospital for broken people. What we designed to be, what we desire to be, is refuge for those who are striving to follow Jesus, but who are still struggling against Him. We have to come together and love one another and be bound together. Also, love keeps the big thing the big thing. We say that now, almost that's, that's kind of become our catchphrase. We desire to let the big thing be the big thing. We want to worship Jesus like no other. We want that to be the very central thing of what we're desiring to do is, is to worship God like, like no other, to let Him be the central focus of our hearts, our minds, and our soul, to let Him be Lord of all. And, and when we love one another and we love worshiping and we love coming together as a church, I look forward. Let me tell you, I woke up this morning and I was tired and I was sore. I did manual labor yesterday, and you know pastors aren't built for that. And so they say, sweat off a Baptist preacher cure cancer, but we'll just never know. Um, I, I woke up sore, and I was like, ah, I'm getting old. I'm creeping up on that 30 number. And <sighs> wasn't even a joke. Wasn't even a joke. I've got some written in y'all didn't laugh at, but that wasn't even one. I woke up this morning, even though sore, worked some muscles I'm not used to, I was excited to get here. It's easy for me to get dressed on Sunday. I'm just, I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm in the shower. I'm preaching to myself in the shower. Like I'm thinking through what I'm going to say. I'm ready for worship. I'm excited. Like I get up on Sunday and it's not drudgery. I don't get up. Oh, we got to get the kids ready for church. I get, woo, let's go. Let's go. We're going to worship. It's good. It's good. Now, it doesn't always come out like that to after coffee, but it's good. We're excited because it's the big thing. It's what we desire to do. Love keeps the big thing the big thing. Our big thing is worshiping Jesus. Celebrating Him for what He's done for us. And that means if the Lord never gives us another blessing, we're still celebrating Him for what He's done in our salvation. If we get nothing else but redemption, that's plenty. That's plenty for us to celebrate for the rest of our lives. Love allows us to reach out into our community. Love allows us to reach out. When your heart breaks for your neighbors, when your heart breaks for your community, when your heart breaks for the people around you, when you're walking through Winn-Dixie or, or Food John or sitting at Munoz and you look over and you can just see hurt in someone's eyes, that should break you enough to go, Love on them. T tell them about Jesus. Tell them about the saving agent of Christ and what He's desiring to do for them. Tell them there's hope for them. Tell them there's redemption for them. Tell them there's a place that they can come and find refuge. If we don't allow love to dictate how we serve, then we won't serve. Love is what will drive you to knock on somebody's door and tell them about Jesus. Love is what will allow you, when you're at Jack's, you pay for that person behind you's food. You don't even know them. Pay for their food and tell them Christ loves them. Love is what will make you serve like you've never thought you would serve. When you fall in love with Jesus and you love your church and you, and you love the ministry of the church, you'll, you'll do things that you've never thought possible. Growing up, I, I never thought I would put my feet in other countries, in third world countries, to tell people about Jesus. God's love transformed my thinking into missions. Love is what pressed me to ministry when I was so adamant against it. Love is what makes me step up from the meal that I'm having with my family and go talk to someone else 
who I think needs to hear about Jesus. Love is what keeps us drawing out into our community. We don't do VBS out of obligation. We do VBS because we want to meet children and we want to meet their parents. We don't do our trunk or treat in October because we want to give away candy. We do it to build relationships with our community. We don't do our Christmas Eve service because we want to see the place full. We do it because we want to reach out. We want to tell people that unto us a child has been born that is king eternal. The way we love is demonstrated by how we live. The way we love is demonstrated by how we serve. The way we love is demonstrated in how we go. How are we loving today? How are you serving today? Is your church lacking because you're not serving well? Is your church struggling today because you're missing? Your church needs you. Your community needs you. What will you do about it? Let's pray. Father, I pray over our time this morning. God, I just ask that, that we would, Father, that we would seek you first. That the love you've shown for us would be displayed. God, as we're, we're here on the 4th of July weekend celebrating all that you've done for us and, and placing us in a country that's free, that, that has been, has been the, that debt has been paid uh, by the blood of patriots before us. God, and we're here today to evaluate how we love you because we can't, we can't love our church and we can't love our community if we don't love Christ. And so, Father, I pray over everyone in this room today that, that you would allow them to do just a heart check on themselves and be able to discern whether or not they are a follower of you. Lord, I pray that if they are believers and they're just muddling through and they're not connecting to, to ministry and they're not serving, God, give them a, a heart for service. Give them a heart for their community. Give them a heart for their neighborhoods and and their neighbors and their family. God, may we be diligent in reaching out and, and expressing gratitude and love from you. God, for, for those today who just need a, a refreshing word, God, I pray that your word is sufficient. Thank you for what the Apostle Paul told us, that, that we are one body. We're united in one spirit and in one soul, and, and we all come together to form the body of Christ. Use your word today to transform lives. It's in the name of Christ I pray and all God's people said amen. Will you stand and sing with us this morning? If you need to make a decision, if you need to come accepting Christ, you come on. If you need to come and surrender for baptism, you come on. If you need to come surrender to ministry, you come on. You want to partner with our church, come on. We love you guys.